Hey, what's up? It's John Cass Podcast here with episode number 46. We're going to get to Rob Vogel, former co-worker of mine, former sports director at NBC15 in just a little bit. But I wanted to remind you about our sponsors of this fine program and uh, something I want to do with one of those sponsors. So in the month of May, I want to have a listener party at me and Julio. So if you're down for that and that sounds like something you'd be interested in, here's what I'm trying to do to try to get some support to let other people know about it who may not be listening to the podcast like you are right now. Um, I just need... If, if you feel like you're interested and want to head to me and Julio in May, send me a tweet at John Audius Radio. Say, that sounds awesome. Can't wait to have Margarita. Can't wait for the listener party. Whatever you want to say. I don't care. I'll retweet you. We'll get it going that way. And in the meantime, you can check out me and Julio because they every Tuesday and Thursday, they've got their $4 classic margaritas all day long. And on Easter Sunday, they're going to be open from 9 to 3. Reservations are accepted at me and Julio in Fitchburg. This program also brought to you by Ian's Pizza in Madison. Always go check out the Ian's Pizza Slice. I had a slice with Daryl, our winner of the Ian's Pizza uh, Bracket Contest, just the other day. And if you want to watch video of that uh, television giveaway, you can right now on all my social media. Um, let's see what else. Oh, also check out johncastpodcast.com. I've got a me and Julio gift card up there for 30% off. So basically you're just getting like free me and Julio margs is the way I look at it. $50 gift card for $35 right now, johncastpodcast.com. Just snap it up and save some money right off the bat there. And uh, check out johncastpodcast.com. Go buy a t-shirt from Scotty. Uh, you can see the whole collection of Wisconsin sports themed t-shirts on the website. Okay, let's get to today's episode. Mr. Rob Vogel. What happens when a radio broadcaster gets let go from his sports talk job? Well, he tries to figure out what he wants to do next for a career. And in the meantime, joins the 4 million other podcasts on the internet and the John cast is born. Join me each week as I talk to guests I find interesting or entertaining from the world of sports, play-by-play -play broadcasting, or whatever else sounds fascinating to me at the moment. The John Cast is what I'm doing until I figure out what I'm doing. Subscribe, download, and I hope you learn something along the way. Welcome in. It is the John Cast podcast. We are on episode number 46 of the program. And today's guest is a former co-worker of mine when we teamed up with Mike Lucas to bring you Lucas in the morning. He's also a former sports director at NBC 15 in Madison. He loves his golf he loves his hockey i think he's mo mainly a minnesota sports fan ladies and gentlemen let's welcome to the john cast podcast rob vogel what's going on rob hey john great great to see you only have the vikings thing surgically removed from my brain so that one's gone but the twins and wild for sure okay yeah i was gonna say i didn't think you're a big vikings guy because you love all the packers stuff Right. Absolutely. As we used to say when I was doing it in TV and my friends from Minnesota would ask me, I'd say, my business is good when the Packers are good. So even if you don't want to look at it as that I'm rooting for the Packers, I'm rooting for me. So go Packers. <laughs> yeah. 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 I get it. I get it. I mean, I was, I'm, I still kept my Minnesota Viking fandom. Unlike you, I still have my, you know, honestly, you're a bigger twins fan than I, than I am. I was when I was a kid, but then baseball went on strike and then it got really long. And then Kevin Garnett was in town and I, I didn't care so much about baseball. You know, I've always been a twins fan, but the, the, and I played it, coach it now, all of those things. But the funny thing is, is there was a long period in there where I don't know, I'd say like my thirties and forties or whatever, where I, I watched it, but I wasn't nonstop huge big baseball fan. Then I had a kid, and my kid got into baseball. 
And it was a great connection for thing for the two of us. And it really relit the fire again for my love for baseball. And now my wife, who you can't get her to sit still for more than two minutes, but she has totally gotten into baseball and loving it through our kids. So it's a great way to kind of find those sports all over again. That's awesome. That's very yeah. cool. So are you, a, would you say you're a bigger Brewers fan or Twins fan? It's Twins, right? I mean, you're wearing the, the polo. Well, and I have plenty of Brewers polos too, trust me. Uh, in our house, it's one rule. We root for a Twins Brewers World Series every year. Okay. And we try to make sure to go to, whether it's at Miller Park or um, up at Target Field in the Twin Cities, go to some Twins Brewers games throughout the year. And then we feel good no matter who wins. I'm just happy to see my old team, the Twins, you know, and see them playing in person and then get to root for them. Because, you know, I got a kid again. We root for the Brewers. We love Christian Yelich. We love Lorenzo King. We love mm -hmm. all the, the guys on this Brewers team. I love the organization. If I lived in New York, it'd be a different story. I wouldn't be rooting for the Yankees and the Twins. I'd Good. be rooting for the Yan the earth to open up, swallow the Yankees organization whole, and keep it there forever. I mean, it, it's so much fun rooting for Minnesota Twins baseball in April and May when they don't play any games because they don't have a roof. So that must be a, that <laughs> Don't must get be a, me started on that. I don't well, want to have to fight that one over and well, over again, on. as you know I do with Heller. I know. Well, because I wanted to bring it up because I saw a tweet recently. Um. Rain in the forecast will prevent two AL East rivals from taking the field Thursday. This is from April 6th. And then you wrote on Twitter, sounds like a two-hour hot take rant coming from Heller Sports about the stupidity of not having domes in New York and Boston. Go get them, Mike, is what you read. And you can see it on the screen if you're watching on Spotify. Um, so I will say this. Heller has a lot of wrong takes. But I, I do think, can we not figure out a way? And this is, I, I'm sure you've heard this, this theory before. Can we not figure out a way for teams above a certain marker in the country north of that to like, if you're making a stadium, can we just put a retractable roof on there? Can, can the commissioner just say like, that's a deal that has to happen. And if you have Wrigley, your grandfather didn't, you can have those cold windy days, uh, how many times a year, can we just do that and kind of solve the issue as best we can? The short answer is no. The longer answer is something else. As you know, I just like to poke the bear with Heller with that. Between bunting and retractable roofs, <laughs> it's easy to just get him going on that. And I just yeah. do it as a fun thing to, to get him going on it. I'm not anti-retractable roof. Like, I like going to Miller Park and knowing there's going to be a game or uh, when in the weather's a certain way of knowing that I don't have to worry if it's raining. I don't have to worry if it's 800 degrees outside and all that. But I, I hate the people who always point it out about Target Field, and it's usually just a Wisconsin-Minnesota thing, and leave out, well, as you pointed out, what about Wrigley? What about Fenway? What about Yankee Stadium? Seems to me those places are all filling. What about Cleveland? Did it suddenly get really tropical and nice in Cleveland and I, I missed it? Nobody would suggest, but those are great ballparks to go to. Camden Yards. And you said north of a line. What about Arizona, where it's 150 in the summer down there? They're below the line, but they've got weather issues. So I'm not anti-retractable roof. I'm just saying, if given the choice, going to a ball game, wouldn't you prefer an open-air stadium? Obviously on a nice day. But as a kid, when I say a kid, high school, college age especially, sitting in that Metrodome year after year, partly with crummy Twins teams, but on gorgeous summer nights having to be in that Teflon roof dump, I want outdoor baseball and to get outside. And, and Target Field's a great place to go watch it. They've done everything they possibly can other than controlling the weather. It's okay. Sometimes bad weather is going to cancel a game. <laughs> well, no, you're right about the dome. The dome was weird. I mean, I grew up, I think I grew up kind of soft. 
going to games because of of the dome and these games I would go to. Like you get any sort of adversity in the weather, I'm like, I'm out. This is this is not what I'm used to. I'm used to sitting down and in a t-shirt and just watching the game. Um, but right. boy, it doesn't have to be a dome, a retractable. That way in the great summer nights, it opens. Well, so here's the funny thing. So I'd been I'm doing my best to try to get off Twitter a little bit for my my doctor recommended I get off Twitter probably for my health. No, I'm just kidding. But really? uh, for my mental doctor, not my physical yeah. one. Although that one too. Sam Decker, the former Badger forward, uh, the great basketball legend, he responded too and got in on this a little bit, and was talking uh, debating about isn't a retractable roof stadium technically open air because you can open it when you want the air. And he showed pictures of that. Show me a retractable roof stadium with a nice view for somebody sitting in the ballpark. Show me one that's got a view where you're sitting in the ballpark then in the stands and the roof is open. You get to see the ocean or you get to see the downtown skyline from wherever you're sitting. You don't. The open air ballparks and one of the great things about like Target Field, you got a beautiful view of downtown Minneapolis. If you're in San Francisco, you can't beat that view of the Pacific Ocean, for heaven's sake, or most of those type of ballparks. There isn't any with the retractable roof. Even in Milwaukee, as convenient it is at now at American Family Field, there, even when the roof is open, you don't have a view of anything. You don't right. see anything. It doesn't add any ambiance to it. It just allows air to circulate through the building and the sun to shine down through much of the ballpark. Not always all of it, because some of it's in the shade because the roof's still sitting there. Yeah. I mean, I don't – could you maybe design – I don't know. I'm not an engineer. I, I, you could probably design something to look pretty with the skyline in the background. I mean – The closest one I know of it – I'm sorry. The closest one I know, because I just thought it was your sense – uh, when I was tweeting at Sam, is, is Safeco Field in Seattle. Because that one's more like an umbrella. It's, yeah. It covers the top of it, but air still flows through at all times. through it. So if it's cold outside, it's still going to be cold when you sit in okay. the ballpark. It's just keeping rain down. So when they open that, many of the seats, especially in the upper deck, you can get a nice pretty view of the downtown Seattle skyline and, and okay. some parts of the ocean, I think. But I will say this. I'm very happy that U.S. Bank Stadium is, is what it is. Because I also... Listen, I understand Lambeau and outside and it's football and it's minus 10 degrees and blah, blah, blah. Right. But I'll t I, I don't know, man, like as a fan and, you know, just as a general fairness um, idea, I, I just I like the idea of of the stadium in Minnesota having a roof. Well, I don't for, I can sit here and argue about the financials of it and what it was. And they did intend originally for it to be a retractable roof. They just couldn't afford the extra 200 plus million dollars to do it. That became the, the contentious point. And it's a small piece of land. So making it without a roof made much more sense. And I'm glad it's the way it is because those are my favorite kind of ballparks. But if, as you know, having been to Target Field, one of the things they've done, and I've utilized this before too, it's like being for a, a hockey parent if you have a kid. You know they're where they are in the arenas because there's the big heaters up above that are kicking out heat inside the arena for the fans that are standing there. Well, Target Field around the concourse on the main level has those heaters up above. So you could not even sit in your seat if you wanted to on a cold day, stand there right by a, a large space heater kicking out the heat while you're having a cold beer or a cup of coffee to keep you warm on that particular day. So. Okay. Well, that's sure. Not bad. I pick nice days to go to anyway. There aren't many days where I've been at the bad weather. I'm not a full season ticket holder, so I don't have that problem. But I would rather have the outdoor given the option. True. Um, how much of the Masters did you watch? Not as much as I normally would. And I think it was only I, I watched more on Thursday and Friday to see if Tiger would make the cut and just to watch the Masters because I love it. Uh, as you mentioned before, I'm a, a huge golf fan. 
Uh, I didn't watch as much on the weekend because we had other things going on and because there was a lack of drama. It didn't. I didn't need Tiger to be in contention for me to watch, but I needed somebody, somebody other than Scotty Scheffler to be blowing yeah. away the field would have been nice. But there, there wasn't that drama, so uh, I had I watched less of it than I normally would probably. Yeah, that I was I was with you. Like I didn't. I watched Tiger Thursday all day Thursday, a little bit Friday, and a little bit over the weekend. Um, I wasn't expecting him to win. You know, I was crossing right. my fingers. Like, wouldn't it be great if he was just in contention and we got to watch Tiger? But Scotty Scheffler kind of ruined it for me, too, because, like, he was ahead by so much. I guess as a golfer, you just kind of had to adjust what you were watching. Instead of watching uh, a race to the finish line in drama, you're watching can someone fend off someone else. And that's kind of what we got. And he's been awesome. And most, I'd say most golf fans are this way. They don't want to have to, even though they want drama, they don't want to have to root for somebody to choke to create it. Yes. If, if somebody had come charging up from behind and made a game of it, great. But ever since Greg Norman in 96 at the Masters, I've long since stopped rooting for the massive choke. Because um, I felt bad. I was working at a TV station in Grand Forks, North Dakota. And on that Sunday, I was doing the sports that night. And when Norman choked, and I was, I, I wasn't a huge Greg Norman fan and I like Nick Faldo and I wanted it to be competitive. So I was kind of rooting for the choke. And I put in my intro to our highlights that day about, you know, if you look up in the dictionary, the definition of the word choke, I said what it was. And then I said, you'll also see a picture of Greg Norman right Ooh. next to it. Something along those lines. I had a few friends who lived in Grand Forks who were Greg Norman fans and they let me know that wasn't maybe really the nicest thing in the world to say. So I felt kind of bad. So no golf fan really roots for the choke. You want somebody to come up from behind. At the same time, I like Scotty Scheffler, so I didn't want to root against him either. Yeah. Um, all right. So when I say the years 1987 and 1991, what's the first thing that comes to mind for you? Man, it was a great freshman year of college and uh, senior year of college. Those were great times, man. Uh, my schooling. Oh, that's right. They, I think the Twins won the World Series those particular years. I, I do recall that. <laughs> I have multiple of that card, my man. I have those too. I love that. Except you've got the nice PSA grading and all that stuff on it. That's what I'm jealous of because I haven't done that. But I do have a card collection that's got multiple of those. Yeah, I've got you know, the Kirby funny. Puckett card right now if you're watching on Spotify. The Kirby 85 Tops rookie. I so wanted this thing forever, Rob. And yeah. I finally bought it when I was an adult. <laughs> and you think I could have sold you one for cheap since I have a couple of them. They're not yeah. PSA graded, but I have multiple of them. You know what's funny? And this is uh, – all these strange things that came out of the pandemic that you never knew before. I have a, a friend who, when I was growing up as a kid, um, we played baseball together all the time, from youth levels all the way up to, to high school, basically, every summer. Good ball player. Turns out I found out during the pandemic, because you're just talking to people on social media about goofy, weird stuff and posting strange things. He is now married to Kirby Puckett's um, daughter. Oh. And so, oh no, excuse me. He is married to uh, Kirby Puckett's wife, Tanya Puckett, okay. um, her sister. So he's married into, so to speak, the, the Puckett family. And he told me that he was asked by the family to help them after Kirby died with all of his memorabilia and get it graded and do all these things and put it on these different auction sites to raise money for the family and for charities and, and whatever else. He showed me some pictures of some of the stuff. It's just like, boxes of you know what has bats autographed by him and by other players from major league baseball or his gold glove awards or his all-star game mvps all of that sort of stuff and he asked me if i had any pocket 
stuff. And so I took a picture of all every pocket item I could get gathered up, including Brian Pozik, who gave me a Kirby pocket poster when we worked at the radio station together. And so he said, oh, yeah, that's nice. Here's my collection. And he showed me like, wow, that's great. So that's definitely number one memory from 87 and 91. 87, I had just started college and lived in uh, St. Paul. We were sitting in our uh, our living room. There's a house like eight guys. And the twins were finishing off the Tigers in the ALCS. As the last out is being recorded, we all looked at each other because we had just heard word about World Series tickets going on sale. Three or four of us immediately drove over to the Dayton's in Rosedale. And back in those days, the way to get tickets, and this just shows how old I am, we got our blankets, we got our folding chairs, and we sat in the parking of a Dayton's overnight sleeping there because the next morning World Series tickets would go on sale. You could buy four for game one and four for game two, and I did that. Kept a couple from, I ended up keeping two for myself to go to game one so I could say I went to the World Series, and then I sold the other six because I was a broke college student who could use a few bucks for a hundred bucks a piece back at the time. So, you know, I got 600 bucks out of the deal. <laughs> so they sold World Series tickets at a Dayton's department store? They did. There's some office in Dayton's. Obviously, they had all the clothing and everything. And on the ground level of the Dayton's, there was a ticket office that sold things for concerts and events. And you could buy Twins tickets through there. So there was a long line of people all camped out. So while the team was returning home to Minnesota from Detroit and they had the big get-together at the Metrodome, we were either listening to it on the radio that this was all happening as a bunch of us were all trying to keep warm under blankets on a you know, October fall night in Minnesota, waiting to get tickets because at like eight in, eight in the morning the next day is when the ticket office opened. Wow. So you got to go to the 87 World Series and you also, Rob Vogel, were part of the 91 World Series, but in a different capacity, right? Yeah, that was uh, that was a lot cheaper for me, but uh, it was it was great. I was doing my internship at a TV station in Twin Cities. Uh, it's now Fox 9 there. And I got to go to all the home games for the ALCS against the Toronto Blue Jays and then the World Series, the four games against the Braves. And so uh, they had an auxiliary press box out in right field. I was there for the games. I, my job was basically nothing other than to be an intern. So it was pretty cool because I was with all these big wigs in the Twin Cities media getting to watch the games. And the only thing I remember well, two things. One is that I ticked off a photographer, news photographer there, because he wanted to come inside and be watching the games, but instead I was getting to do so. Some <laughs> idiot who was just an intern, you know, out of college. And the other thing was when game seven happened, um, I was underneath the, uh, the tunnel okay. in the bowels of the Metrodome where all the media was in a line because one way or another now in the 10th inning, something was going to happen. And if something happened in the bottom inning, game over, World Series over, time to go get your interviews. There's no time to come down from the press box. And so all of us can't see the game other than some security guard who's got a very small little monitor for back in 1991 in there with the game feed on. And everybody's leaning in. Every big name media person you can think of, at least in the Twin Cities and some national, waiting for the result. We see um, Gene Larkin hit the ball out to left field, and you can hear above us the crowd roar in the Metrodome. And kind of like you were a, in the movie Gladiator and you're running into the Coliseum, they open the big doors that led you to the tunnel, or if you've ever seen like when the Packers used to play the Vikings there, yeah. the players came down these series of stairs to get out to the field. That's what we ran down carrying our tripods and cameras to get out onto the field. And so it was 
as close as I'll ever feel to being like a rock star because you emerge out on the field to about, you know, 60,000 fans screaming and players going crazy on there. And you want to go like, thank you, thank you, thank you. But you're quickly setting up camera gear because then my job was to grab players and bring them over uh, to the on-air talent to do their interviews post-game. Wow. So you didn't see Gene Larkin's hit. You just heard it. I never, I never saw it live. I heard it, saw parts of it on that video monitor. Obviously, I've watched it a billion times afterwards. The only uh, cool thing was game six before that, when it, uh, I got to see all of that one, and um, because we knew there'd be another game, so if they won it, there was no need to race onto the field. There wasn't going to be post game that way. But I was in the um, media room when Jack Morris walked in and did his famous quoting of Marvin Gaye and say, "Let's get it on for game seven. So even saying that, I still get goosebumps thinking of him saying that in there. Wow. When you were talking about hearing the crowd roar, I got goosebumps. I'm like, because just it's a, it was a different way to experience the championship, you know, by listening to the crowd. And the closest I've gotten to that was a Big Ten championship game, uh, Russell Wilson's year yeah. against uh, Michigan State. And about five minutes left, I have to go down to the field to try to, you know, get down there and get, get interviews or whatnot. And so I'm getting on the elevator and – as I think either we were in the elevator just getting on or whatever, and I hear ah, like a huge, I'm like, I, what did I miss? And it was Wilson to Duckworth, that big toss and right. catch that that set up the the Badgers. To, I think they go ahead if I remember the game correctly. But anyway, the point was, and I remember hearing that roar going, ooh, something, something just happened. I don't know what just happened, but it's kind of the same. Although when you hear the roar with this, this the time and situation, you know what's happening. The thing about that game that you just mentioned that – I must have been still up in the press box for that touchdown because I was down on the field in the end zone when the punt happened and Michigan oh. State's running it back. And you think, oh, my God, he's going to run it all the way back and they're going to lose the game this way. This is awful. And you're watching and thinking that. And then obviously there's a penalty and uh, the Badgers end up winning the game. And the other thing is, is going around on the field afterwards, all the players were given roses or many of them had roses and they're all celebrating the field. Um I was trying to grab one of the linemen to, to interview them. It just so happened as I tapped him and turned around, and this has happened more than once, where they confuse you and they think you might be the national media, <laughs> which is great because you get a little more access than I'm Rob Ogle, local schmo from the NBC affiliate in Madison. I have a picture because I asked when they turned around, I realized that the um, five starting offensive linemen for the Badgers were all standing there together, hugging each other, all with roses in their mouths. They turned to me, and I took a picture with my cell phone, which I hadn't put out there. I'm like, these are maybe, you know, at least on the Mount Rushmore, some of them, of Badger offensive line, maybe one of the collection of the five, you could argue one of the greatest offensive lines in Badger history. I've got all five of them with roses in their mouths of a picture I took on my cell phone and got a quick video clip of because they thought I was some national reporter <laughs> doing something. It's like, man, eh, just a local guy. I'll put this out there. Thanks, fellas. <laughs> that's funny that you know what if you want an interview and you're a local sports reporter just wear like a suit and tie to the game or something then they'll get you maybe you'll confuse somebody to think that you're national tv or something i know you weren't wearing a suit or tie but uh well you know my very first assignment when i came to madison was uh first of getting to go to something was when the badgers basketball team played in the big 10 acc challenge and they were playing maryland in milwaukee at old bradley okay. center so this would be end up being Dick Bennett's last game. He would retire after this game and step down unexpectedly. Well, they win in overtime at the buzzer. I do not know any of the protocols. I'm a newbie. 
So what do I do? Horn sound game ends. It's getting late. We need an interview back in Madison to put some sound on the air. I run out onto the court with my cameraman. And I tap Mark Vershaw on the shoulder. He turns around thinking I'm the ESPN sideline reporter about to interview him. And it's just me and Mark for a couple of questions one-on-one -on -one real quick. And that was clearly one of those where I caught him deer in headlights. He thought I was whoever for ESPN doing the interview and got the sound. Later, everybody would give me a hard time back at the office like, oh, my God, you're not supposed to be out there doing that at that particular time. And now you see them much more strict on, you know, Big Ten games, whether it's football or basketball, how all that plays out. Okay. Um, well, we, we started this here just a few minutes ago talking about 87 and 91 and what you remember, but it led me to, would you like to do some really easy 1991 twins trivia that I found on the internet together? You want to do that together? The keyword there being easy, then I'm all for it. Yes. Okay. Easy. So let me push some buttons. If you're watching on Spotify, you can play along. I'm going to share this trivia that I found on the internet about the 1991 Minnesota Twins. Okay, oh can boy, you see that? Can you see that, Bogey? That's uh, uh, a little small, but I can see that there's something there. Okay, yeah. I'll read it. Who Great. was manager in 1991? Okay, Tom Kelly, that one I've got. Tom, Tom Kelly, I'll put that in. How many All-Stars were on the Twins in 1991? Oh boy, 91. I have no idea. Gotta be Puckett's um, All-Stars. Well, both Erickson and Morris were. Scott Erickson was supposed to get the start but couldn't because of injury. So Jack Morris got the start for him. So that's three. It's probably five, but I'll go with four because somebody like Herbeck or somebody else has to be yeah. an All-Star. Okay. Maybe, so we'll maybe, with... uh, maybe Rick Aguilera or something. Okay, we'll go with four. Who was the starting second baseman? Uh, Chuck Knobloch, Knobloch. Rookie year. Boy, I, I rookie, AL rookie of the year. Oh, yeah. I had his 90, whatever, would have been 91, right? Yeah. Um, rookie card. It was the best. It was really expensive. He ended, he ended up getting the yips with the Yankees and couldn't throw it from second base to first base. I know. That was the worst. Uh, this is a really easy number four, 1991 Twins trivia question. Who, what position was Kirby Puckett? Center Shortstop, field. first base, catcher, or outfield? Out, outfield, center fielder. Thank you. What kind of question and, is that? I know. How about, and he caught it. That's where we, where he jumped up against the plexiglass is where yeah. I spent most of my high school and college years just over that plexiglass out in the in left center field. The plexiglass was so classic with the dome. Yeah. Um, who was the closer in 91? Rick Aguilera. Rick Aguilera. Okay. Don't even, okay. True or false? The Twins had the best record in the majors. Oh, wow. They did have a really good record that year. Let's see. Um, I don't know. Braves, Braves, Braves played the Pirates. They also went first, worst to first that year. Um, and the Twins played the Blue Jays. I, I'm going to say no, but I think yes. Well, did the Twins have like home field? Would that have? Well, yeah. You know what? That that makes sense. They had they had home field against the Blue Jays, and I don't think it was that back in the old days where they did the rotating uh, every year which division. But they hosted the Blue Jays in the ALCS, split their first two games at home, and then won three straight in Toronto. All right, so we'll go true? Sure, let's go with that. Okay. Who was the winningest AL pitcher in 91? Was it Alan Anderson, Kevin Tappany, Scott Erickson, or Jack Morris? Uh, Scott Erickson. Yeah, I think it's Scott Erickson. He had a uh, huge streak going on until he got hurt, like in June or July. Scott Erickson as a as a you know uh, how old would I have been in 91 let me do that like 12 years old or something 
Scott Erickson was the man. Like, collect those cards, man. He's going to be the next big thing, next Roger Clemens. Um, who is the starting first baseman? Okay. Ken Turbeck, hometown Denver. boy. What was Chili Davis in 91? A shortstop, a third baseman, an outfield, or a designated hitter? Designated hitter, the chill factor. He's the <laughs> he's the one who told Kirby before game six and extra innings went up the plate, he's going to throw you that changeup. Look for that changeup. And he hit it really? off Charlie Lebrand. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, and um, he, then Kirby said something to the chill factor. I'm sure probably said, I'm going to win it, whatever. <laughs> and then, Let's just make it that to be true. That was the legend. Yeah, we just make up stories now at this point. True or false? Last question. Jack Morris was the oldest player on the Twins in 1991. Oh, wow. Who else was old on that team? Randy Bush would have been pretty old. Um, Harper. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say yes. No True. other old guys like coming to mind. Good answer. Good answer. All right, let's submit I'll, these answers. Let's see how we did. Let's see what uh, we did. All right. Uh, you got Tom Kelly right. You got four All-Stars right. Rick Aguilera, Jack Morris, Kirby Puckett, and Scott Erickson. Um, Chuck Knobloch. Yep. Kirby Puckett was an outfielder. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very good. Rick Aguilera, 42 oh. saves and a 2 Oh, no. I see an X coming. I see an X. Oh, no. The best record in the majors. The Twins went 95 and 67, but the Pirates were 98 and 64. Oh, that was the Barry Bonds, Bobby Bonilla, Annie Van Slyke team. Dang it. Um, number uh, Scott Erickson was the winningest AL pitcher, 20 wins. Jack Morris had 18. And was gone to Toronto the next year and back in the World Series. Um, starting first baseman, Kent Herbeck, DH, Chili Davis, and Jack Morris was 36 when he was a starter, but Terry Leach was 37. That's so funny. I knew there was a guy in the bullpen after I said it. We wrote the answer. I'm like, I know there's got to be that Dan Schatzener type guy they had at 87, some old man. Leach and Carl Willis were their two mop-up middle guys, setup guys that worked well for them. Oh, but Rob Ogle, I think that was well done. You got eight of 10. That's not bad. Uh, so, yeah, I nine I would have liked because the the one I, the best record was a tough one. We couldn't remember what the Pirates and Braves records were. No. Um, a couple more questions for you, Rob. Uh, let's see here. What else do I have you? Um, oh, I got to ask you about your time on the radio with, with yeah. Mike Lucas and myself. So uh, as we transition from 1991 Twins Trivia, <laughs> what was it like co-hosting Lucas in the morning? Worst time of my life. No, it was it was a lot. It was a lot of fun, actually. It was it, it was it was great because um, you know if you're in this and doing this sort of that business, you obviously like talking about sports. Um, Mike Lucas is a, a great person who he is very organized and he is a man of the plan. So that that was all good. You, you knew he cared about the show and took care of it, and he was. Great, you know, even just from a business standpoint, he was great in understanding where I was in my life with my family and schedule and what I needed. Very accommodating for that. So that was awesome. So it made the show fun. My goal was to try to make him laugh or do something silly from time to time and do that. Mm -hmm. I knew what my role was and, and and I enjoyed it. And so whether it's you or Mike Keller or well, maybe not Dr. J, but everybody yells. It was just it was just a lot of fun. I mean, you know, it's just kind of like hanging around the bar, as they say. If you can make good sports radio or podcasting now or whatever, like you're just hanging around with friends talking about sports, then then that's great. How long did you do the uh, morning show? Well, you know, I filled in for a while, whether it was morning show or afternoons, occasionally, you know, for a, a couple of years, I think, leading up to that. And then it was 
the uh, what whatever the you know how this is how when you get old you mark the years by great sports moments that you remember. Okay. What okay. was the year that Bronson Kade hit the three pointer against oh. Xavier? Whatever that year was, I think was yeah. the year then that I started that spring uh, of hosting with with Lucas. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just had that in a trivia question, although I didn't have the year. Um, so it ended up, I think, it being about two years or two years plus, something like that. But but it but it was nice. It was great and for um, just getting out of doing TV. It fit in the schedule perfectly uh, of doing it in the morning before the kids got my son got up, get him off to school, coming home, and then get into work for my day job at that point in time. So it fit in real nicely. Um, and, and one of your roles on there was to always provide Lukey with that vital, vital Aaron Rodgers TMZ type of information, <laughs> like who's he dating and what happened. Right. So right. what do you have for me? What's the latest? What am I missing with the TMZ sports update? What have you been reading about anyone in the sporting world and their off the field activities? Well, and by the way, I don't care about Aaron Rodgers' personal life that much. I just, as I said a moment ago, my job was to try to make Mike Lucas laugh or talk about something funny else for a second instead of what happened in the fourth inning of a <laughs> June baseball game between the Cubs and the now Cleveland Guardians, you know? Yes. I like that stuff, but occasionally good radio or good TV talks about some silly stuff too, you right. know? So I tried, yeah. tried to do some of that occasionally. So what was the – I'm trying to think what my latest theory was um, with Rodgers because we we're all trying to figure out now, I wish what I wanted – was the last time that Rodgers was spoke to the Packers media anyway publicly, like right at this end of the season or was that was right around the same time that the rumors and reports and TMZ or whatever had started saying things about like that the engagement was off. Mm. You know, because they said that it happened maybe the breakup happened back in December or November, somewhere during the season late, and that that might have happened. I wanted somebody to just ask like, uh, so, Aaron, have you guys set a date yet? You know, find a clever way to ask of, are you engaged without asking, are you engaged or are still together? Like, so has there been a wedding date set yet or anything along those lines to, to find out what's going on with the two of them? Yeah, that's too bad. I really thought Aaron Rodgers had found his wife. And then uh, did you really? I did. did. Really? I thought I thought he had just because of the last couple of years, how he's kind of approached everything, approached the media, approached the game, like everything's going well for him. He seemed like a changed type of dude, um, even about the way like he wants his employers to to, re to treat him. Like he seemed like everything's been changing. I'm like, oh, you know what? I bet you he's found a nice young lady. to, And that wasn't the case. Sure. And I don't disagree with him with what he's saying about how he wants the team to treat him and that. You know, employers, especially in professional athletes, when he's your number one guy in this mm -hmm. sense, how they should talk to him and uh, get his input and, and maybe um, give him a Randall Cobb every once in a while sort of thing just to keep him happy and doing that sort of thing. But I don't I don't know how much you can totally change. He likes to just keep changing and inventing new himself. But the fact that he ended up in this relationship so quickly after it was he broke up with Danica, uh, made it curious and then the pandemic hit so who really knows but i wish him and uh the best whether it's in this relationship or uh with another one just like anybody else okay so then let's go rapid fire on wisconsin teams to wrap this up since we're talking about the packers the packers right. next year without Devonte, which by the way the Devonte adams news i'm just like looking on my phone i'm like what's going on here Devonte adams isn't on yeah. the packers anymore um packers next season uh let's hear your what are we in april prediction for next season's packers 
Can you make predictions before they even drafted guys or finished free agency? How do you do that? I don't even know who's going to be on their team yet. Who can make an educated guess? How about this, though? Here's my prediction. Or I don't even know if it's a prediction anymore because you can't get anything. My hope for them. I'm hoping, and because somebody, I don't even know who this was that tweeted. Maybe this is Leroy Butler. That he had tweeted out something that caught my attention where, because um, obviously as a Hall of Fame player, congratulations to him. Um, that he had said the Packers don't something along the lines of don't be surprised if the Packers make a move or something for a receiver that you didn't think was available. And so that got me going, like, who's a receiver that I could see another team that's either in a rebuild or trying to do some kind of move that they get? D, you know, whether it's DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett or, you know, just pick some receiver that's in a spot. If they can make a move like that, getting a legit good receiver sprinkle in somebody like, I don't know, Julio Jones for nothing or whatever it is, and draft one or two high-quality young receivers, okay, then I, I can see something happening there. But we all know Aaron Rodgers' track record with rookie-wide receivers. I mean, he avoids that like a vaccine, for heaven's sake, you know? So it's not it's, it's not a good match, all right? It's not, a, it's not a good match, all right? He's immune to throwing to them. So oh he's gotta, we got to get a veteran in there. Shot after shot. Bro. I had to get one. I had to get one Aaron Rodgers COVID joke. I didn't go COVID toe. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just stick my foot up on in front of this camera. <laughs> all right. Uh, how about Bucks? The playoffs are here in the NBA. The Bucks will they repeat as NBA champs? Well, the easy thing is to say no because then I get the feel. The odds are in my favor. But I'll tell you this: this is funny. Uh, what I mentioned about my wife not being um, totally into last sports. We started reading as a family together the Giannis biography that came out last early last fall, I think it was, end of last summer. Yeah. Uh, fa fantastic read and has made huge Giannis fans out of my wife and kid. I was already a Giannis fan because I cover sports. I love him as a player and, and knew a, a bit of, a, of his story and was working at NBC 15 when they drafted this kid where they could barely get any quality video of him playing in the B League or whatever over in Greece. But his life story and journey is even more amazing the more in depth you read about it and hear about it how he got to where he is and then you hear him now talk about how humble he is and how driven and focused he is on the important stuff um I, we're all buying and root buying bucks gear and rooting for the bucks in our house so i'm gonna say yes so that way everybody could say rob said the bucks were gonna win it all there you go yeah you predicted it and it i definitely want to get out to the deer district now this year i wanted to get out last year and i never did uh speaking of Giannis and his great quotes johncastpodcast.com go buy a Descani quote shirt uh, about Giannis being humble you can watch it on Spotify if you're watching right now okay uh Brewers season they've got all this great pitching supposedly no they do um very early in the season right now for the Milwaukee Brewers what's their tra trajectory in your opinion boy it's hard when you get only three or four games and you make this huge assumption of like, oh, that's the whole entire season's going to play out. They're never going to get a hit. They're not going to score many runs the entire year. How about you give it a week or two, Rob, before you make such a declaration is what you're reminded year after year in baseball. I do have some questions and concerns about their offense because will Christian Yelich return to the Christian Yelich who was the MVP or at least close to it, Christian Yelich of a few years ago. If he does, then obviously they're uh, in a much better spot. But uh, I do have questions about their offense, less so than their pitching. And as long as their bullpen guys stay, keep their hands away from brick walls, they've got a good chance of being solid pitching staff. <laughs> Devin Williams, I'm looking at you. Yes. yes. 
Okay. Don't go out to the bar late celebrating because your hand loses every battle with a brick wall. Every time. That's one of the, I yeah. mean, it's not the first time an athlete has punched the wall or punched something. No. And they, no. they lose. Like, you got to. It's the great thing. How many, I don't know, I'm sure you probably did too, but every one of us that is old enough to remember filled up Twitter after that happened with the old scene from uh, Bull Durham. Crash Davis says, What hand did you hit me with? And he goes, My left. Good. You never hit me with your pitching hand, dummy. You know, that, that lesson is learned yet again. Uh, let's see. How about Badger? Badger basketball next year after this season, which by the way, I was at Pfizer for the game when they lost to Iowa State. It was a fun environment, but the, the crowd never got into it because they never, Wisconsin went two of 22 shooting three. But what about Badger basketball, Badger football? Uh, Badger basketball, boy, just like, well, basketball, just like we were saying uh, about uh, waiting for the Packers to at least have their draft. Now you have to wait for the transfer portal recruiting season. I mean, who are they going to get? You know they're going to get a couple of bodies through there, and they're going to need them with some other guys that have transferred out. Johnny Davis going to the NBA, Brad Davison, I think graduating after seven or eight years that he is done officially. It's not April Fool's. No more jokes about that. So it used to be every year when Bo Ryan was coaching the team, you would always hear national experts picking them. This is the year the Badgers are going to stink. This is the year the Badgers are going to stink. And you would always respond, I don't know how he's going to do it, but I know they finished fourth or better in the Big Ten every single year. So I'll let them figure that out. So, And Greg Gard's pretty close to the, the same thing in that range. So I'm going to let him figure it out and trust them that they're going to be competitive no matter what. Hey, they're supposed to be 10th last year, and they ended up winning the Big Ten title. Well, Badger football. They need to – They need. I love Graham Mertz. I love Graham Mertz. <laughs> I d yes, I, I know you've had this unhealthy relationship with your love affair of Graham Mertz for a long time. And every time he's in the news or something happens, I think of you – with your yeah. daily Jeff Patrikas questions about Graham Mertz and the Graham Mertz updates and what's going on. Um, I was hoping maybe you would get to do that about Caleb Williams, but apparently we're back to the Graham Mertz era continuing on. Yeah, I don't know. It, uh, it, it kind of rests on his shoulders, doesn't it? He's got to yeah. be something with the offense and now new receivers coming in and you know, figuring out what's going to happen there. But they've got to get something out of their passing game. And I, I like the fact that they maybe brought in some new voices and blood on the offensive side. Uh, as far as offensive coordinator and just some voices, maybe can add some new wrinkles and things to help what they already do so well. Uh, and vo volleyball. What about Wisconsin volleyball? I got to tell you something. I know you have a great job and a great program, and it was so fun watching them win a national championship. More so now, even in our house, because my son now plays volleyball. Oh, so sweet. he's a freshman and he's a freshman in high school. Played on the freshman team at Madison Memorial this past year, and he is out recruiting his buddies who are either not playing much on their football team or are just good athletes and are friends to play on the volleyball program, and they're going to have more coming out next year. So it's really fun because we love the sport. It's super exciting, as you know, being there. And you've got these great role models and, and programs uh, to do that. And the other connection, I remember when Dunk was little, he came with me once to do interviews at volleyball, and Kelly Sheffield came up to him. And Duncan must have been wearing a Brewer shirt or something like that. And Kelly came up to me and started talking baseball and talking about being a Reds fan. So yeah. every time I see that, he remembers that. And we talk about that. Oh, there's Coach Sheffield. He's a Reds fan, too. And we talk about that. He's got that kind of connection with him and being there. And all the volleyball players came up to him and talked to him a little bit to Duncan. He's a little kid and showed him a volleyball and hit one or two with him. So um, it, it's great. So I'm I'm going back to back. Let's go back to back. I want to yeah. hear you be able to make the call. They've done it again. Twice as nice. The Badgers <laughs> back to back. Yes. Twice as nice. I love it. Um, yeah, it, it's so funny. Like I went to the spring match, the, the lone home spring match they had. And, uh, 
some of those those uh, like great it was Grace Loberg and Georgia Chivita both uh, moving on from the program now super seniors and they just they couldn't they couldn't walk anywhere like they were in once they get out got out of their seats to go I think they're just going to go to the locker room or something like yeah. it it took 10 50 I was just watching people just constantly come up pictures photos blah 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 and they just they were stuck and I I can't imagine what that's going to be like for for like if Dana comes back next year to watch a match or Sydney Hilly or somebody else too, because um, those two are currently overseas. But I mean, all those players are going to get mobbed. It's crazy. It's such a fun sport and such a fun program. It's action. Always, it's it's perfect for the generation now that needs constant action and things happening and results. It's the anti baseball where you're waiting. Yes. God, throw a strike. Let's get something. There is a, when they went to rally scoring. I remember when they made that change and it was controversial. Where coach is going to like it? The rally scoring. It's a point. It's happening. Let's move on and, and keep doing it. And that makes it exciting. And as you well know, covering them, David, there's such great role models, you know, yes. the people, whether it's the coaches or the players in the program that, you know, whether it's a, you have a young boy or a girl like I have a 14-year-old son, I say, be like them. Get good grades. Get your education. And you can compete at a really high level in whatever your sport is. So it's great to point to those as role models. For the last decade plus, I've been calling volleyball and uh, 10 years on women's basketball. And that's like one of the things I always think of is these athletes are so much more like prepared and smart and anything that I ever was at that age. It's so crazy. Like they they play at a high level and they're organized and they're smart and they do good things. Like it's like, how are you? How does that? I, I was not like that at all. No, no comment. Whether it's a volleyball player or uh, Jonathan Taylor in football, how many times have you looked at one of these guys and looked at their resumes just as a sophomore or junior in college? You're like, what the <laughs> hell was I doing? This exactly. guy has accomplished all this stuff athletically. Jonathan Taylor could have gone to Harvard and done all these things academically. I'm an idiot. Uh, what was I doing wasting my time back then? And yeah, now. What was, <laughs> what was I? I was at the radio station talking into a microphone and I'm just, Still talking into a microphone. That's what I was doing. Right. You uh, still can't get it out of the system. Apparently not. I don't know. Rob Vogel, you're on the podcast. Episode 40. What are we on? 46 it took. Uh, yes. And next up, I get on your gamer show. Now that I'm totally into playing Madden and MLB the show with my kid. Gamers Lounge. I'm on Green's Gamers Lounge. The other podcast I do, which you can find anywhere you consume your podcast. Yeah. So you're playing MLB the show. Yeah, you know what's great about and you before we started recording, you mentioned about the new one that just came out, MLB The yeah. Show 22. And so we got that with my son who has a PS4 and played it. I'm anti, I, I don't know how to, I can't do the right click from the left click. Every time we play, he has to explain to me again which button I need to hit to do most of the functions on it. But I found, one, it was a great way to connect with my kid and spend some time with him because that's what the kids do. So I got to give a little bit and do some of that. And two, what I liked about the MLB The Show is, you can draft teams, apparently, which, which yes. my son has taught me this, and I can put together a team of players like Kirby Puckett, like Schmidt, Mike Schmidt, Cal Ripken, my heroes from when I was a kid, mix in a few modern-day players, and I can put them being on the Minnesota Twins, and I can pick their classic 1978 jersey, and I can go against his team of DeGrom and Bryce Harper and whoever else from now. So it's an education. I get to tell them about who these old players are. It's fun for me to see these old players and pretend I'm them, and they're all playing for the Twins or Brewers or whatever team I pick on that given day, and you get to pick old ballparks. So my kid loves picking Scheib Park and Crosby, Crosley Field and all these places he's never heard of that were in the 40s and 50s and all that. And so it's an education that way. So 
I've gotten a hook now to at least playing, you know, maybe once or a couple times a week with him and playing MLB The Show at least. Madden, he just crushes me because he, he he's the Tennessee Titans. He gives the ball to Derrick Henry, and they just run down my throat. I like picking other teams and trying to throw the ball, sling the ball around. He just keeps running down my throat. But MLB The Show was a lot, a lot of fun and is a new opening into something that I would have never done before. That's a really good technique, Rob. I like your technique of putting in the old school players and at the same time giving your son a little history lesson of, of some of the greats in Major League Baseball. Now, does a video game take as long as a real game? Are you guys down in the basement playing for three or four hours? Or No, the rule is at least when he, you know, during the pandemic is kind of when we started thinking like, you know, we need a way for these kids to connect and see each other and do something. Maybe we should consider doing this because we hadn't gotten them any sort of video games until this. Now it opened our eyes to doing that. We were very late and still getting it. But when we did, when it, he and I play, it's a rule. I'll play one game, and then we got to take a break and go do something. We go read the Giannis book. We go play outside. We go do something. But, you know, I don't know what it takes an hour or whatever it can be. If you play a nine-in game, we move fairly quickly. But yeah. then that, that's enough. And if your friends are playing, you can be on. I just don't want you doing it by playing by yourself for hours on end. If you're at least I can hear you talking and playing with friends, then there's at least some socialization going on there. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually what me and my my high school and college buddies have done uh, now for the last couple of years, although it's slowed down now that things are starting to open up again. But we every Friday night, man, we get on our Nintendo Switches and we we connect that way and we play Rocket League and it's awesome. <laughs> See, I'm too old. I'd be of a Pac-Man, Ms. Pac-Man generation at the arcade and my uh, 50-something, 60-something-year-old friends don't want to get together at the arcade on a Friday night. <laughs> yes, <laughs> unfortunately. No, you. but it is. It's a great way to still at least keep in touch with people and do that. And that for the younger kids right now with everything that's going on, it's a great way to do something with friends. Yeah. All right, Rob. Well, um, maybe I'll get you on in another 50 episodes or so. When the Twins and Brewers play in the World Series this year, we'll get together again next fall. God, how amazing would that be? All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Rob Vogel. Sounds great, John. Be good. All right, there you go. That's Rob Vogel for episode number 46 of the John Cast podcast. That was awesome. Uh, reminder to everybody that uh, you can go pick up, like I mentioned, those Scani uh, t-shirts, johncastpodcast.com, just 20 bucks. Great way to help support this podcast. Plus, me and Julio is a proud sponsor. I'm looking to do an event in May, a listener party in May. So what I need from you is just send me a message on Twitter, if you plan on, if, if you want to go to something like that, if you would be interested in something like that, like, yeah, that sounds awesome, man. Margaritas are the best. And then I'll retweet you and we'll try to get some publicity rolling for this thing in May, but it is going to be happening in May. I'm starting to narrow down everything um, that you're going to need to know about that because it's going to be awesome. And also a reminder that in this uh, month of April, though, me and Julio have has uh, different specials, including the blackened shrimp salad and the Chipotle Chicken Wrap, plus Tuesdays and Thursdays, $4 classic margaritas, and Tuesday nights, they've got trivia starting at 6.30. Also, they'll be open Easter Sunday, serving from 9 a.m. till 3 p.m. Reservations are accepted. And this podcast also brought to you by Ian's Pizza in Madison. Just gave away a 58-inch TV for our bracket contest. You want to go watch that video, um, giving away the TV to a listener, you can go find it at uh, John Cast Podcast on Instagram. John Cast Podcast on Twitter, John Audius Radio on Twitter. You'll find it. I'm also on Facebook. I started a Facebook page. I'm not a big Facebook fan, but I started a Facebook page. So if you want to go follow the program on Facebook as well, you can do that. Okay, that's been enough. Thanks to Rob Vogel, and we'll see you next time on the John Cast Podcast. Goodbye.